0: Okay, so we are glad that you're here, everyone. Those that are tuning in, we're we're glad that you're tuned in. And we've been talking quite a bit about being a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. And we're going to drill down into that a little bit today. We've also been talking about what we do together as a community. We, on Sundays, get together and we do what I call the worship, the word, and the works. That's a vineyard value, those three things. So we worship together, we look into the word of God, and we do the works of Jesus, and we practice that so that we can go out into the world and be people of worship, the word, and works. We also, you've been getting some information about groups. We're talking about how to figure out how do we do groups in a season like this and we're figuring it out. We've got some people that are sending in ideas and we've got some groups that are forming but I just want to encourage you be prayerful. Ask God what, what's in your heart? What kind of group could you lead? A Bible study? neighborhood group, we've got quite a few people that are talking about reaching into their neighborhoods and things are springing up on front and back porches. So be creative, ask and and listen. Another thing I wanna remind us about is Leadership Weekend. It's gonna be particularly important this year because on August 14th of 15th, that Friday night, and then Saturday morning from 9.30 to noon, we're gonna be doing a couple of things. One is we're gonna talk more about becoming a vineyard and what that entails. So I wanna make sure that we're learning about the history, we're learning about the theology, the practices, the values of the vineyard. That'll be a great opportunity to do that. And we're gonna have plenty of space to minister to each other. So if you wanna come and have that stirred, some reactivation of our gifts. So we've been looking the last couple of weeks at what it means to become a vineyard. We're in the process of graciously leaving the RCA, the Reformed Church in America, and we're becoming a vineyard. So we've been talking about that, and we're well into the process. And we're seeing that it's really important to learn more about the vineyard movement. So that's why we're doing this. And in the coming weeks and months, we're gonna continue to talk about this. We wanna make sure that questions are addressed If you have questions or thoughts or concerns, you can talk to me or any staff person. You can set up a meeting. We just want to make sure in the coming weeks that your questions are being answered. So the last couple of weeks, we've looked at two things. The first week, we looked at the kingdom of God in the vineyard, and we saw how central kingdom theology is to the vineyard movement. And they gleaned that. John Wimber and some of the other early vineyard leaders gleaned that from the scriptures. The kingdom of God is the overarching message of the Bible. The idea that the Lord reigns over all creation and his dynamic rule and reign is breaking into human history and changing lives. Then last week we looked at the Father's love and our response to God's lavish love is worship. Christians are his kids, we're his sons and daughters, and we get to respond to him. One thing I didn't get to talk about for time's sake was the idea that what happens here forms the church. I've been thinking about our worship team, they are singing theologians. Think about that for a moment. What they're singing forms us as a people. And so I want us to be thinking in terms of that and praying for our worship team. When God moves powerfully, God raises up new vigor in worship. And Brad was talking about new songs. And so I want us to think in terms of not just kind of participating and receiving, but let's prize and value and treasure our worship team. Amen? And let's say, Lord, take them deeper into you and into the scriptures because it really isn't just about singing. It's about being drawn into the presence of God and they are singing from the scriptures, singing about the revelation of who God is. And that forms us as a church. They are singing theologians. Amen? So there's richness that God's going to be teaching us about worship. And really what we're doing... In this three-part series is we're revisiting the roots, and it's really important to revisit the roots, the original sources, to talk about these values and practices, because when we revisit roots, we're revitalized. And you look at many of the great moves of God, even the Reformation, 500 years ago, the Reformation happened because they revisited the roots. There was a phrase that meant "back to the sources. Advantes, back to the fountains. And so that's what we're doing in these three weeks. We're going back to some of those vineyard sources, those vineyard fountains that are rooted in the scripture. So let's look at this for today. We're going to address three questions related to walking with the Holy Spirit like Jesus. And I've tried to frame this in such a way that it emphasizes something which I'll tell you about in a moment. But we're going to ask three questions and drill down into this. The first is, what does it mean to walk with the Holy Spirit? A second question is, how did Jesus do this? How did Jesus walk with the Holy Spirit? And thirdly, how do we, how do you and I walk with the Holy Spirit? Now, the way I'm framing this is, this is about relationship with a person. as Christians, as vineyard people, this, everything flows from relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But today we're gonna focus in particular on relating, walking with the person of the Holy Spirit. This is the third person of the Holy Trinity. This is classic Orthodox Christian faith here, and we're talking about having a relationship with God. We're not talking about going out and getting busy and doing the works of Jesus. and the, No, no, no. This, this flows out of friendship, fellowship, intimacy with God. So I just ask, Holy Spirit, as we talk about you, I ask that you would come and speak to us. Show us how to walk with you like Jesus did. I ask for the anointing. I ask for impartation through the word of God today. I ask that you would mobilize us, that this would go beyond the words, and that you would activate something in us. Amen. So let's look, first of all, what does it mean to walk with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to have some verses from the Gospels, a few from Paul's letters, but John 16, 13. You can look in your Bible. Again, we'll have it on a slide up here. John 16, 13, Jesus is going to begin to talk about what it means for his followers to walk with the Holy Spirit. And he says in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so in John 14 and 15 and 16 in particular, Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away. And the Father is going to send the promised Holy Spirit. And so, one of the things that Jesus is saying here, what it means for his followers to walk with the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit of truth is going to guide you into what is true. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you and be that internal guide, but he's also going to lead you into what I've said and take you deeper into truth. Another thing, look at Romans 8:14. The apostle Paul building on what Jesus is saying in the gospels. Paul would be pouring over the writings that he had in his day, looking over the words of Jesus that he had access to. So he wasn't coming up with this, he was meditating into the teachings of Jesus, and he says something in Romans 8:14 very similar congruent with what Jesus was saying. Romans 8:14 says for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Then Galatians 5:16 listen to these verbs. But I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So Paul is saying that there's this reality called being led by the Spirit. The one that Jesus promised will lead you. And then at Galatians 5, walking by. Think about that for a moment, friends. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? These can be kind of Christian truisms that fly by us, but would you wanna walk by the Spirit? What Paul is talking about here? Walking by the Spirit. And he says, when we do this, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So the Spirit of God indwells you, indwells me, and there is a reality in God called walking by, walking with. And if you do that, the Lord gives you everything you need to not be steered by your sinful flesh. That is good news. The Lord gives us what and who we need the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says this this is something that we speak of often, if not every week, and there's something tucked in here about walking with the Spirit. Paul says 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So Paul is saying there, he's looking at the church at Corinth and he's saying, I want you to have koinonia with the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit. So friends, what we're looking at today is an invitation Deeper communion and fellowship and friendship with the person of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus talked about. This is what the vineyard values. So this entails many things. Being guided by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, following the Holy Spirit's leadership. Do you think the Holy Spirit's a pretty good leader? What do you think? Why is it oftentimes... Thank you for that, Ezra. Why are we more confident in the enemy's leadership? Sometimes we're more inclined to think, I'm going to get deceived. I'm going to get into something I shouldn't. Or, you know what? I can't walk with the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is a wonderful leader. This is the Spirit of Jesus indwelling us. Do we trust him? Do we trust his leadership to guide us into the truth, to empower us, to help us walk with him? And when you're friends with someone, things just flow out naturally, don't they? So I want us today to think in terms of let's be friends with the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's fellowship with the Holy Spirit and spur one another into that reality. When you get around people that live this way, you can feel it, can't you? I remember hearing an early quote by John Wimber. You know, again, we've looked at some of his story. We're going to be looking at more of it over the leadership weekend. But he walked with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was broken. Yes, he needed the mercy of God. He screwed up and had to repent. But he fellowshipped with the Holy Spirit. And people couldn't quite figure it out. One time he was being interviewed by someone and they said, John, what do you do before these meetings? You're going to England and helping to train and mobilize folks there in England and here in America and you know, 3,000 people will come and go through training with you, what do you do? And this interviewer was expecting something really powerful and profound and deep and John looked at him and said, I drink a Diet Coke. And the guy said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, I drink a Diet Coke. I usually get somewhere quiet and sip on a cold Coke. And the guy went. Now he addressed, and I can feel it at a religious mindset, doesn't like that. Is he being sacrilegious and saying, hey, I don't do anything, I don't pray? No, 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 no. What he's saying is that he spends his life in fellowship in friendship with the Holy Spirit and he doesn't have to work at anything he doesn't have to come and say I've got to gin something up I have to generate something no, no, no everything God did in and through him and in the movement flowed out of friendship so he could walk in the supernatural power and anointing of God very naturally and that is a vineyard value Friends, I want us to think in terms of it's the mercy of God. It's friendship with the person of the Holy Spirit. We can relax. Matter of fact, if people are drumming something up and whipping something up and hyping something up, we're going to say, hey, let, let's ease up a little bit here. The Lord doesn't need us to do that. We can drink a Diet Coke. We can chill. We can take a deep breath. If you don't like Diet Coke, you can have a coffee. Where's some water? A second thing I want us to look at here is how did Jesus walk with the Holy Spirit? we have seen a little bit about what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. And I want us to look at the Master himself. And I want you to just listen to this. The whole life of Jesus was based on And empowered by and suffused, filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures teach in Luke 1 that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and Christ was conceived in her womb. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism Luke 3, 21 through 22 talks about this. The Spirit of God came upon him. I want you to look at Luke 4, because there are several things in here that talk about how Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of God permeated his life. Luke 4, going to look at a few passages here. How did Jesus walk with the Holy Spirit? Just going to read verses 1 through 2 and then drop down to 14 and then 18 to 19. So, this is right on the heels of Jesus being baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. And then, look at what Luke 4 says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, the Jordan River, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Then down at verse 14, then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. So look at this. What verbs are in here? Verse 1, he's full of the Spirit. How about verse 2 and 14? Verse 14, filled with the Spirit. So he's led by the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. His whole life is permeated with this. Then look at verse 18 and 19. It's interesting. Mike already quoted this. It's a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. But Jesus is going into the temple like a faithful Jew, and he's opening the scroll to read it like young men in his day would, and he opens to this passage, and he reads it. And it's full of information about him as the messianic anointed king. How did he walk with the spirit? And what did that entail? Luke 4:18 and 19. In the words of Isaiah, he says, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's an important verse for you guys, Milners, isn't it? This is a life verse for you. There's five actions in here that talk about what it meant to walk with the Holy Spirit and what we can learn from Jesus. What are those five things? You look at them. He's anointed as the promised Messiah, What's the first thing he, he does here? I'm going to wait for you till I can hear it. So he's anointed to bring good news. So as the anointed one who walks with the Holy Spirit, who's led by the Spirit, who's anointed with the Spirit of God, he shares the gospel. What's the next thing? That's the first one. And he's bringing the good news to who? To the poor, and that will entail the the materially poor, but it will also mean all poor. It could mean poor in spirit. It's those in a place of need. What's the second thing that he does? Bringing freedom, release to captives, and then what? Recovery of sight to the blind, and then what? To set. oppressed free, to let the oppressed go free. And then finally, what? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he's basically saying the grace of God is here. And I, as his spirit-empowered servant, am here to tell you about the grace of God. This is kingdom stuff. All five of these things tell us what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. The Lord thought up social justice, friends. There's all this discussion and discourse about it. I want to invite us to discover and rediscover what biblical justice is. Jesus is the most effective bringer of justice that's ever lived. Let's look at him. He's doing these five things and many more. So if you want to know what happened when Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit, that's a nice little summary right there. And then he's going to invite us into the same thing, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. I want us to look at this one passage. Skip over to Luke 5.17. So hang a right in your Bible. And I want to read a passage that's really intriguing. I've puzzled over this for many years. He's the anointed one. He walks with the Holy Spirit. But look at Luke 5.17. One day, Jesus was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And I'm reading from the New American Standard at that point. It's a little more literal. The NRSV says the power of the Lord was with Jesus for him to perform healing. See what I'm scratching my head about there? It implies that there may have been moments, times, days, when the power of the Lord may not have been present there to heal. Amen, Jim? This is strange. He he had to ask for it, and he communed with the Holy Spirit so he didn't just go out and do wholesale healing some people wanted him to and they wanted him prove you're the Messiah heal everyone here do these things Or in modern language go to the hospital and clear it out Jesus says ah it's not the way it works fully God fully human he fellowshiped with the Holy Spirit he walked with the Spirit He waited on what the Holy Spirit was doing. He didn't have to make things happen. And so this particular day, he healed a paralyzed person, but he was waiting for the power of the Lord to be present. Now, some of us that might make our minds go a little bit tilt there, but that's okay. Jesus, fully man, fully God, depended on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the scriptures teach can look at Acts 10.38 speaks about this. The spirit of God was on him. God was with him to go about and heal and do good and to set people free. One last verse here before we look at the third question. Look at John 5.19 and this speaks directly to Jesus walking with the Holy Spirit. His life, his ministry, the secret stuff this is the secret sauce right here, friends. John five nineteen, 19. We'll look at verse 20 as well. And this was a favorite of John Wimber. He made a discovery. He actually urged the church to dust off the Gospels. He said, we spend so much time in the Pauline epistles and the other letters, it's time to dust off the Gospels and to rediscover the way that Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit, moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a key. Wimper didn't just read the Gospels and say, worship and adore Jesus. He did that. But he also said, Jesus is our model. He is our paradigm to follow in ministry. And if you want to see a window into the heart of it, it's at John five nineteen and 20. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing on His own, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Then look at this at verse 20. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater works than these so that you will be astonished So friends, Jesus walks with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just go out and do whatever he wants. Part of working this out and setting a model for his followers is through dependence on the Father. He says, what are the verbs here? The Son can do nothing, but only what? What he sees the Father doing. So there's two things here. He says, I can only do what I see the Father doing. And then secondly, this is beautiful. The Father loves me and shows me all that he's doing. This is for us as his followers. Do you want to see what the Father is doing? I've been praying this week. Lord, give us a John 519 mindset. Give us a John 519 perspective. So that wherever we are, we leave today, we go to a restaurant. Father, what might you be doing here? You go to work. Father, what are you doing? Man, this becomes exciting stuff. John five nineteen, Because the Father is always working. Right? Let us in on it, Father. And then what's beautiful is how all of this is rooted in the love of the Father. The Father loves people. Father loves us, and he wants to show us these things. I want to share a story here that conveys some of this, and I've actually got this book out in the Resource Center, out there on the wall as you walk out, and this book is called Empowered Evangelicals, Bringing Together the Best of the Evangelical and Charismatic Worlds. It's written by Rich Nathan, Ken Wilson, a couple of key leaders in the vineyard. I guess they can be called old-timers now. They've been around for about 35, 40 years in the vineyard. But he writes this story, Ken does, about his friend David. He says, my friend David worked in an office with a woman who complained of severe shoulder pain whenever the weather was rainy. Though the woman wasn't a Christian, or perhaps because she wasn't a Christian, David asked if she would like for him to pray for her. This woman was surprised but willing to humor his faith. So David placed his hand on her shoulder and asked God to heal her. A brief period of time passed with no results. David asked his co-worker, do you mind if I try again? Probably a little sweaty at that moment like you and I would be in that moment. She was still willing, so he asked again for the presence of Jesus to come for healing. Within moments, the atmosphere in the room changed noticeably. David felt it was the manifest presence of Jesus to heal. So he asked the woman, do you feel something different in the air? She replied, I sure do. Full of wonder. As David continued to pray, the woman heard and felt a series of six popping sounds from deep inside her arm, moving from her upper arm through her shoulder and into her neck. The pain in her arm was gone. From that point on, it didn't return even with bad weather. This was a firsthand experience with the power of the kingdom of God. Designed to reinforce David's explanation of the gospel. So David got to participate in what the father was doing at his place of work that day. And I'm excited because I know in the coming days we're going to have stories. We've already got stories developing but we're going to have more. And I've shared with you, I've been vulnerable. I feel a little rusty in this. So I'm not the sage from the stage. I'm the guide from the side. And so I'm in this and I'm feeling uncomfortable and a little bit sweaty and sensing the Lord say, why don't you start asking for John 519 everywhere you go? Because the Father's working, I'm working and I want you to participate, Brock. So I'm trying to work the rust out But I am excited, and I'm seeing God do some things that I haven't seen in many years. A third thing here, I'm looking at my phone to see if the youth are going to be here. Be aware, they may just show up. We may have part of Gideon's army at the back door here. They show up, and we get to hear a little bit, and then perhaps have them pray for us. So a third question here will end with this. How do we walk with the Holy Spirit? How do we do this informed and inspired by the example of Jesus. You can go back and look at these passages, but in Matthew 10 and Luke 9, we've looked at this recently several times that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, healed the sick, cast out demons, and then he turns to his 12 disciples and says, now your turn. It's your turn to go do it. And then it fans out to 70 or 72 more and then by the time Acts 1 rolls around, it's 120. And so Jesus is showing, he said, I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I do what the Father's doing, and now it's your turn. I want us to look at this verse here. This is key. I'm giving you some verses. Hopefully you're writing them down. You can access them online. These are things to pray into. So John five nineteen for sure. And now John 20, 21 through 22. Friends, this is astounding that Jesus would say this to his disciples and that he would say it to us through his word, John 20, 21. This is a post-resurrection appearance. Jesus has risen from the dead. He appears to them, scares them to death. They're meeting in secret and hiding. Look what he says. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Shalom to you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. I'm going to read that again. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he's giving them kind of a prelude to Pentecost, a token saying, receive the Spirit, but you're going to receive the Spirit, 120 of you, and you're going to turn the world upside down. Friends, look at this. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And we know that this is a mandate for the church for all time. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says that we're to go and make disciples of all the nations and teach them, we're to baptize them, but teach them all that Jesus has taught, including this, until the end of the age. And Matthew 24, 14 says that this is going on until the gospel goes to all nations, and then the end will come. So John 20, 21 through 22, means that you and I are sent just as the original 12, just as the early church was sent. You and I are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. So bringing these things together, how do we walk with the Holy Spirit as Jesus did? We fellowship with and follow the ongoing guidance of the Holy Spirit. And on that note, we get in his word. The Holy Spirit inspired these writings here. So if you want to know how to hear his voice, immerse your mind, immerse your heart in the words that he's inspired and given to the followers of Jesus. Meditate and live into this fact. This is fact. This is reality that you and I are sent like the Father sent Jesus. We're sent and empowered by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, we're going to look for opportunities to do Luke 4, 18 and 19. Have that John five nineteen perspective, Father, what are you doing? How might you want to bring the gospel here? How might you want to release grace? How might you want to heal hearts? And friends, this is for everyone. We love to say, who gets to play? Everyone gets to play. And what do we mean by that? that That doesn't mean that we all get to volunteer to do certain things around the church. That's part of it. But everyone gets to play means that you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit and you can do the works of Jesus. That is what is at the heart of everyone gets to play. Do you believe this? Do you believe this today? You do? All right. I'm going to be expecting to see you doing it in renewed ways. Working the rust out. And again, this is from the youngest to the oldest. Luke and I hung out a couple of days ago and is it all right if I share that story? Actually, I want you to. Why don't you come up here? Luke has a story. And if this is true, and as Luke comes up here, think about this. One out of every four people on the planet is under 14. 26% of the planet's population is under 14. And so I think it's really, really important that we attend to and empower and equip and release our youth. What do you think? Are we willing to mop some things up if things happen? And yes, we are because we want to and we may not have to. Heck, I get around them and I'm taking notes to learn at times, but our Lord's is going to be a place where we unleash the young people and we recognize, yes, they're leaders today, but they're going to be leading the church in the coming days. They get to do the stuff. So why don't you just share that story of how you shared the dream and what happened with your friend. You got it? Yeah, so
1: a lady from Bridgeway Church, her name is Sue Crawford, some of you may know her. She had a dream four or five years ago of um, all the Edmond high schools and they were covered with dirty, trashy uh, black water like an oil spill. And she says she saw in the midst of all these high schools, students were drowning in them. And I can say personally, being a senior at Edmond Santa Fe, it is true. I mean, I've seen kids in the seats of my class one week and the next week they're gone, taking their life. It's devastating the things that are happening. And She says she saw in this dream, starting at Santa Fe, floodwaters blow throughout the school. And she said it spread to North and Memorial and Deer Creek. And so at youth group the other night, I was uh, staying late with some buddies just talking about Jesus. And we stayed all the way to midnight and I shared this dream. Um, And my friend who's very lukewarm in his faith, (laughs) He starts going, bro, bro, what is happening? Bro, what's happening? he goes, that electricity you were talking about, I feel it. He goes, bro, I'm going to weep. Bro, I'm going to, and he falls down on his knees and starts crying when I share that dream with him. And he goes, it's real, man. It's real, man. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's real, man.
0: (laughs) It's real, man. So we're in this together from the youngest to the oldest. We're in Babylon. Luke referenced that. We're in Babylon. It's a new Babylon, and the Lord's got it. So he is going to raise up armies of people, armies of love who pray and fast and serve others and lay down their lives. And we're going to see him do something Amazingly powerful in the coming days. And it will involve walking with the Holy Spirit. Who's in? You in this morning? Walking with the Holy Spirit. And again, I am not calling you into some kind of sapping activism. I'm calling you into friendship and uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that everything flows. I'm so in love that I actually want to go out and look for what you're doing, Father. That's what we have access to.